0: Have, there's animals all around. So oh, here yeah, with weird so noises. I live with a lot of animals.
1: Um, and I'm, I've invited Thor to share a story, um, which I haven't heard yet. <laughs> and there might be a fight at any moment between the dogs and cat. I guess. Oh, I wanted to say it's a little bit of a lead-in. Um, one reason I just I didn't think about this until just today. Before I was on my, on my way over here, that. The thing that you wrote, which I think you've said before, you get asked about a lot. The, the like how to tour in a band. Yeah. I remember reading that, and thinking kind of like when you when you see like a street sign or something that says, like, no U turn in a place where clearly you think no one would ever U turn. Then you're like, somebody must have done that. Yeah. For them to put that sign there, somebody died because of like a dumb thing, and you know, or like the caution hot on the mcdonald's coffee like it's oh there yeah because somebody scalded themselves someone burned their genitals them. and right. sued mcdonald's <laughs> exactly. for a million but so i remember reading it like that and thinking each of these things for those of you who haven't seen it i think it's just called how to, tour. how to tour
0: in a band or whatever
1: right and it's got this i love the tone of it it's got this very like tongue-in-cheek kind of asshole condescending tone which is not thor <laughs> harris's tone at all yeah uh but it's got this tone of like just stop being a fucking baby <laughs> like yeah do your job <laughs> and uh but i feel like when i remember going through it and each one was like this someone did this such that thor was inspired to write this down like please don't do this so i don't know if any of and I don't know if the story you have in mind it falls into those categories, but that might be something that we return to.
0: Yeah, that it, that list. Yeah, it, I love that it still bounces around, and I meet people in bands who pass it around. And yeah, it, it's true. I'm not that grouchy in person. I mean, but it's in there, you know. I'm.
1: Yeah, but it was a chance to be a little bit grouchy. Yeah, in it was retrospect. A, yeah, just to it say like. was a chance
0: to vent about. And all did that you
1: write stuff. it right at the end of a tour?
0: I wrote it during a tour okay. with help from some of the members of that band, Shearwater. Okay. And then it kept bouncing around just as I was getting out of Shearwater and getting into Swans. It was just bouncing around the yeah. internet. Yeah. And, um,
1: yeah. and some of them are very simple, like, uh, you know, driver picks music. Yeah. Uh, you know, one person can be navigator, preferably some, who's ever, you
0: know, yeah.
1: shotgun. Yeah. It's pretty simple, and yet it yeah. makes a real
0: difference. It's amazing the, the things that we miss and yet still like become adults. Right. Like, so many times I've been on tour with someone and just thought, man, how did you miss the chapter on <laughs> bathing? Right. <and laughs> right. Someone comes to mind, but I won't mention any <laughs> names. And, and, and laundry, you know, but... Yeah. People just do, you know. They, we all come from weird families that have their own like blind yeah, spots and. Sure. Yeah, that, that I've written a bunch more bossy lists like that since, but that's the that was the first one. Yeah. And it, it may be the best. Okay. Um, I I mean
1: I definitely loved it and immediately shared it with everyone I'd toured with, <laughs> including people that. Some of it was a little bit passive-aggressive where I was like, hey, you should read this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Here's a oh. funny
1: thing that you might enjoy. But... Look what
0: I found printed out in the van. <laughs> right. Isn't yeah. this funny? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, so, yeah. Tell, let's, I'll yeah, my, your... You know, it's
0: funny. When I was on tour with Swans, if I would violate one of the rules, Michael would go, your rule, Thor. <laughs> <Right>. And, uh... <laughs> And he would point point out that I was in breach of the what rules. You, do you remember which one? I'm trying you, to think which one I. I don't know.
1: I'd have well, to. I, so I know one that you've broken, which I have also broken. Uh, don't fuck anyone in this band. Yeah, it's well, a
0: good rule. It's a good rule. Um, we've we've now <laughs> we've I, I. Laughing in the back. I background. created a band with my wife. Right. Ed, and it's called Doran Friends, and but it really works. I mean, yeah. and and um, I don't think that we're too terrible to be around while we're on tour as a couple. We're not like super insular. I mean, I'm. Not, I don't need to explain. Yes, <laughs> I definitely broke one of the rules. There, there's
1: times to break rules. Yeah,
0: they 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 could all be broken from time to time. Right. But in yeah, in that case, I started the band with my lovely wife Peg. Um, yeah, it really does work. So yeah. that band is really just me, Peg, and GOAT. Right. And we're we we're a good team, the three of us. But then, of course, live, there's always a lot of other members. And we do travel with other people some, too. But, but it's good. In that
1: situation, you guys are clearly a couple. You have a band together. If somebody joins in, they know the deal. Yeah. Um, I have made the mistake of doing that with a couple that did not travel well together like you guys have been living together and traveling together for a while Yeah, I imagine it's very different but I've definitely been in the situation of like going on somebody's first tour together like they'd both each each of these other people had toured separately in other oh, bands yeah. but it was the first tour of their band and I was sort of the third wheel and and I love both of those people immensely but it was terrible yeah. um, just just Dealing with coupley bickering and things, and they yeah, just and argue about things that nobody cares about. They, like I, they don't even care about. They just yeah, it would just be a who's right. Like no, I had cucumber salad that day. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> and
0: a couple of times I've been in situations where the couple hooked up while we were on tour yeah. and, we, and we all had to be like hey what's going on here there's right. this new dynamic right. where neither of these two people are accessible anymore right. they're just in
1: right. their
0: cone of silence together
1: and that's one of those things I definitely have been in that situation also and thought it was fine Until I was on the other end of it. Yeah. Like, it's fun when you're the person who now gets to make out with somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Because you're so lonely on tour, and finally, (laughs) the
0: mixing of the best things. Yeah, that's awesome. The adventure of tour, plus romance. What could be better? Right. Or more disastrous. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, that's the thing. It's all great until it's not and yeah. then it's like i don't want to play with him
0: anymore like or i don't want to yeah. sit in the band the with him. couple I'm like, okay implodes right man and it, it's amazing how much how many times i've experienced this because in that band shearwater kim and jonathan were a couple they split up and the band survived it the band okay. kept, kept we made like four more records okay and um it was fine like they both stayed in the band yeah
1: okay Yeah, that's impressive when it happens. Yeah, it was weird. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it go the other way where bands stay together after breaking up, and it's a terrible idea, but they're just so invested
0: in the band. I was never in Swans with Jarboe, but I heard that was terrible. Okay. Um, I heard it was awful traveling with the two of them together. Okay. Just to spread a little gossip here. (laughs) I wasn't there, though, so.
1: Okay. Well, so what's your, do you you have a story in mind?
0: Man, there's so many. Because this, you know, traveling around playing music, for those of you who don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't do it. It is it is as much fun as it sounds like, but it's also just tremendously humiliating. The pay <laughs> is terrible. Most shows are just like leave you asking, like, what have I done with my life? Really, <laughs> That's,
1: that breaks a rule. There's a rule. Yeah, you're not and supposed this, to. This is my favorite rule yeah, on the list, it's or the, the one best that I one. think of the most and apply it to myself because. Do you remember what it is?
0: Yeah, I'm going to try to repeat it verbatim. The rule is don't analyze your whole life just because you have one shitty show.
1: I think it's something like while you're waiting to go on stage. Like like waiting in a janitor's closet to go on stage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And there's more to it, isn't it? Like... um
0: and I, I almost said, in Boise, Idaho. But then I decided not to pick on Boise, Idaho. Right, but right. I almost said, don't analyze your whole life while you're waiting to go on stage in a janitor closet. In Boise, Idaho, everyone has a shitty day at work. Right. Right. Even you, you're not above having a shitty day at work. Well, you know, most of us who are touring musicians realize that on a U.S. tour... You have many shitty days at right. work. Yeah. It's called the Midwest, <laughs> except for Chicago, and then all, you have awesome days on the coasts. So
1: now I don't agree with you on that one, but I but that's I, good. I
0: agree with the basic
1: premise that yeah. you're going to have good and bad days. Yeah, that's just part of it. I've had good some sh- people have I've got regions I've, that are more their spot. Yeah. And I don't always know why, but for some reason there's certain spots where it's like, okay, they love me here. Wish they could tell the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> but where for some reason I play a show in like Des Moines, Iowa, and it's awesome. And that's not everybody's experience, but yeah. like I can have terrible shows in Chicago or San Francisco or New York all the time. But... I used to think
0: Seattle was bad. Okay. I don't know why, yeah. but the bands that I was in in the nineties weren't very popular in Seattle right. until maybe the late '90s. Then it got a lot better. I don't know. It, it was probably just the bands that I was in. I don't know. And
1: that's. I think in general, it's important not to overgeneralize your experience yeah. in general. Don't Indeed. Generalize. Um, because yeah, you're in a town on one night. You don't know what else is happening that night. In m- most cases, especially if it's a city, if it's like a bigger city, you might be competing with eight other shows this was just a bad night or yeah. maybe it, it was promoted to the wrong folks and maybe the promoter did a great job but just didn't have an in with the group of people that would like your music. Yeah. There's so many things that can go good or bad. Like, it, there's so many things that if you leave a place going, oh man, Richmond, Virginia sucks. Yeah, like, it's so The funny. town doesn't suck. Like, you had a shitty show. Yeah. I st- And you know, that's unfortunate. But exactly. even if you have several s- shitty shows, that's not necessarily emblematic of the entire city or the whole state or whatever man that, that's so true and we do that a lot i hear musicians do it all the time they're like mm-hmm. oh man i hate that town because and then you ask him and half the time it's like well our car got broken into yeah it's like well okay so that's a shitty thing that happened to you yeah but the city of akron didn't break into your car that's right like it, that it, happened to you some douchebag it Broken took me a while car. to forgive
0: the city of Toronto for a car okay. break in. Okay, exactly. Exact now thing. I think it's such a great city. Right yeah Toronto
1: no I've had the same thing where you, you do something bad happens to you and then at some point hopefully you realize like, oh, okay there's a jerk in that place yeah. that did something to me you
0: steal shit out of vans while the band is on stage <laughs> right. Ouch! ouch yeah. then that's shitty
1: yeah and there's shitty people in every place every place and, and good super people good people in every, in every place. place even right.
0: the Midwest even the- <laughs> Just I'm just fun with the all Midwesterners you know I've played up there a lot yeah. and I'm from Texas another pretty pathetic place so, so well this is a
1: good example I the first maybe four or five times I came through Austin I just didn't have good contacts here yeah. and I would just play at shitty coffee shops for nobody yeah. and it was like in my head Austin's supposed to be this cool place and how come none of my shows are cool it's like well if you just show up and play it coffee shop for whoever happens to be in the coffee shop it's not going to be an awesome show I mean yeah. very unlikely that it would be I know. always
0: like when I meet somebody nice who might be coming to Austin now especially now that Austin is so big yeah. and there are like a lot of fancy people here yeah. you could come here and miss the awesome weirdo culture sure. that still is very thriving. It's still here, yeah. In Austin, but it's just
1: big, yeah, totally.
0: It, but it, but it's a big city now, and you like you need a guide, right, to <laughs> to Austin, right, right. So, any of you weirdos listening, look me up if you're coming to Austin, and don't come here during South by Southwest. There's just yeah. too many people during. I heard it was canceled anyway. So. Yeah, <laughs> that was my dog. She she, uh, she's she you likes out. that joke. She's like,
1: <laughs> but wait, I interrupted you though. So this this um, closet
0: rule. Uh, we're t- ah! so. Um, Chance, don't look at her. One of my dogs is looking at the other one. And the other one is so strict that he can't even look at her. Or she um, protests. Um, So, yeah, there are a lot of shows that are just generally uh, humiliating. And um, you you wish you could have that evening of your life back. But... Oh, right. I remember now now that's... ah! But then there's Francie Quit. He's just looking at you. This is really... There's a lot of animals in this house. I wish you guys were all here. Um, and CJ Boyd is covered with animals right now.
1: And I was trying to get this one's attention so he'd stop looking at her, but then I realized Chance. if he looks over at me, then the cat's going to scratch him in Yeah,
0: the face. They all love him, but they all want to boss him around. Um, but there, I, there is this one that stands out As the most miserable gig of my life And I think it was in the early 90s or late 80s In my band Stick People And we had a lot of, you know, mostly humiliating And then a few fantastic shows um, That was my first, um, like, popular, sort of popular band okay. Then independent labels were just sort of rising up And, um... Um, it was it really was before the indie label movement so we were always too weird to be on a major label but i don't know it was a weird band we we were sort of like a soul band but we were also kind of like a weird angular kind of art rock almost funk band we had a, a like a six foot two black albino singer named Malford Milligan he's still around and still uh, a tremendous singer in town but mostly he does the kind of stuff that you would imagine a guy with that kind of soul singer voice would do he does like blues rock kind of stuff but we were just like a weirdo band like every influence like from Prague rock to ska and um, because it was the early 90s a lot of different African music was becoming available finally you know more widely available we we had a lot of influences but we played in you know the punk rock clubs or or like the you know what you would consider now like the live music venues places like in Austin like Mohawk or But this was a, this was a show, so we had been playing at Fitzgerald's in Houston and a bunch of my old high school friends would come see us. And I went to high school in this magical little town called La Porte. And what's magic about it is that a woman started a drama department in the 1960s. So all the like creative weirdo kids and all the queers, they all had like a, like a hub they would get together and work on a musical. They would put on a musical once a year, and um, like all the musical kids, the artistic kids, got together and worked for months to put on this show. So it's sort of like it made it a a, a, a place where you know people just built strong bonds because they were work. It was like touring in that you you were with a bunch of kids working on a thing bigger than you. That was going to be, you know, presented after months of work. So anyway, uh, I came from that magical place, but that place is also surrounded by, like, it's it's uh, it it's a real Republican, real blue-collar, oil refinery. Uh, that that's what that's why houston is rich because the
1: La- Porte's like maybe like an hour outside of houston it is like yeah, it's, yeah it's
0: it's toward the coast yeah. so it's been I've, smashed I've been there, yeah. yeah it's been smashed a few times by hurricanes yeah. and eventually most of it will be unlivable because it's because it's right on the coast right. and like even many of the houses where i played as a kid um are gone because of recent hurricanes and flooding yeah. and stuff um but it was a pretty magical place to grow up like huge tropical plants and giant seabirds and yeah. um it was you know close to nature down there it, it 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 gets so much rain that there's uh it's real jungly down there yeah. if you don't cut it back it it turns into a jungle like pretty much instantly so i grew up playing in the woods and stuff but so there was this like you know politically down there it is there are a lot of republicans a lot of trump support down there but then there's like a a lot of just sort of weirdos too and a lot of creative people um because of that drama department who you know who felt a sense of belonging down there i mean um so anyway uh, high school friends had started coming to our shows as we were getting sort of Popular in the early 90s, I guess. We'll just say it was 1990. I think it was 89 or 90 when this terrible show happened. So um, one of my ex-girlfriends, Gina Claris, was going to marry this dude that she had been dating for several years. And she said, will, you, will stick people come and play my wedding for $250? And I was like, wow, that's a mountain of money. Of course we will. And so... I said, sure, Gina, we'll come play your wedding. So we get there and it's kind of a weird scene. I don't remember where it was, some kind of civic center or something. There was a little bit of a stage there and there was this awful cover band, like a blues rock cover band playing before us that my one of my friend's dad was in. Um, Debbie Bates' dad was in that band. They were terrible and then and we were supposed to play after them and then they were going to play again so so we're playing we we so they play and then we set up and you know it's a it's a weird vibe because somewhere between the bride and groom there's a lot of like sort of middle-aged redneck kind of guys there and i think these guys are going to hate us but you know what can you do it's not like you can write all new music right just for these dudes
1: and was this were you playing it's the reception
0: yeah this is the reception
1: okay so it's like there's the ceremony's gonna happen and then
0: the ceremony had already happened I don't even remember the ceremony so so maybe we didn't go to the ceremony or something maybe we were just setting up at the reception
1: but the other but the cover band was playing before and after you
0: yeah they they played before us and the reason they had to I, I don't remember if they were gonna play after us but the reason she'll be revealed as okay. to why they had to play after us too because we didn't actually end up playing very long um, so we play a couple of our weird songs you know they're like in odd meters and they're, they have weird words to them and they're you know and my friends of course that have been coming to see stick people at Fitzgerald's in Houston they love it but I can tell that these these the, the parents who must have been you know in their forties or thirties or whatever at the time are are kind of you know Houston like redneck types and they're not into us right. and and I could tell that and there's of course booze involved um, and and booze so
1: isn't alcohol not boozes and people booing you.
0: Right. Okay. There's alcohol. These 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 rednecks are, are their uh, inhibitions are going down with right. more and more beers. And and um, but but then a lot of my high school friends are there and they're like a very friendly audience. I don't remember, the, you know, how many people were at this wedding, but it seems like let's just say there were 20 people there that liked us and then there were 20 older people. That we're really starting to hate us the longer we played, and some of our music was, you know, intentionally, maybe somewhat annoying. But I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, it just depends on the perspective. You know, I like a lot of intentionally annoying music, but, but, but I, I could see how how it could be perceived that way you know just trying to understand their drunk redneck perspective which is a bit of a stretch for me but there's a sort of tension building in the room and so i'm back behind the drums and at the time i I was just like coursing with testosterone i was in my early 20s and just kind of almost looking for a fight or looking you know but in a real sort of like If someone does some... You know, I wanted to be a superhero when I was younger, you know? I I was real justice-minded, but I was not at all a bully. I was like the bully that wants to kill bullies, in a way. Like, you know how Dexter is like... He's like the serial killer that wants to kill... I was like a a tough guy because I was, you know, not very tall, but really muscly, but I really always just wanted to defend underdogs you know um but anyway but i mean coming
1: out were you coming out of like the punk rock kind of scene as far as i mean i know lots of punk kids that are like that are like
0: yeah maybe
1: really want to fight but also have a certain ethic of like well they're not going to start a fight but they're kind of stoked yes they get to fight and so they're looking for
0: i was kind of like that yeah but i yeah, I like I, I I wanted to make the skinheads uncomfortable, right. and I it was I was like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I would I would like throw the skinheads out of the mosh pit and right. you know drag them out if there weren't no bouncers at the clubs right. and they were hurting people. Um, but so this guy walks up on stage and takes the microphone from Malford. And Malford is probably the only black dude in the room. I think he was. You know, and these rednecks don't really know what to make of Malford or our band. Right. And one of them walks up and he doesn't aggressively he just like I don't remember I don't I didn't see like if he aggressively took it from Malford or if Malf just handed it to him because the guy put his hand out or what, but the guy said into the mic, this this part I remember, he said, play something we can understand or get the hell out of town. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, damn. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Okay. You know, because yeah. I never, I was I was protective of Malford. Um, I never wanted anyone, like, if there were skinheads around, I always wanted to protect Malford. Um, I didn't want him to be, like, it just... I feel that way now in the in, in the Trump administration. I don't want all of the people that he's victimizing. I I, I I'm like, you know, I sort of want to like say, look, not all white people are that shitty, you know, and that's, you know, that goes without saying. I realize that I don't have to apologize on behalf of all white people because of shit that.
1: But here you at at least in your twenty year old self, it wasn't just apologizing for but like protecting
0: Yeah, I really like here was this redneck telling us that he hated our band in a really aggressive sort of way. Right. So, um So I'm about, so we're playing, but we're playing a song and I don't know if I, if I should stop the song and run and fucking pummel this redneck and, and, you know, be like, is, is that, you know, at a wedding reception, it's hard to know what to do (laughs) at this point. You know, what is the right way to handle this? But out of nowhere, my friend, Robert Chapman, who's been my friend since I was in like third grade or something, grabs this redneck by the throat and just starts throttling him in 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 the you know he pulls him off stage and starts starts throttling this redneck and then you know the rest is kind of a blur i didn't get into a fight i mean i didn't actually punch anybody but there was fighting and the the bride's dad's boss was that unruly redneck that Wait, said that the dad's- so like the bride's bride dads. dad's boss okay. He was the one who got punched By my friend Robert Chapman okay. And thank you Robert Chapman if you're listening Because I do appreciate <laughs> I still appreciate it to this day Okay, um,
1: But at that point Does it become a brawl It is became it, a brawl Like all and the, of your friends and the rednecks Then just clash
0: Yeah okay. uh, to some degree You know maybe it was like Four or five dudes um, With a couple of guys On the I think that that probably, you know, I'm just guessing now because it was a, it was really a mess at the time and hard right. to see who was on which side. But I bet that some of this rednecks' friends were just kind of trying to restrain him, but he, of course, then started fighting with my friends, who were like young tough guys. Right. But you know, they were nice. They were my friends. They didn't want this guy like messing with me and my bandmates right. so um, so, but the bride's mom gets punched oh shit <laughs> I kid you not I mean and that is just so Hollywood like there was punches <laughs> thrown and one of them mistakenly lands on the bride's so you, mom you,
1: definitely mistakenly yeah. Nobody intentionally punched the bride's mom.
0: No, I don't think so. Not I don't, on
1: your side or the rednecks.
0: There's no, I don't Nobody has so. an interest in that. No, I, could, I don't... I mean, I would assume. I don't think anybody meant for that to happen. Because <laughs> I think she would have been somewhat, like, in the middle. Because it was her daughter getting married. So maybe
1: she was trying to stop things.
0: Yeah. And she I think she was her... trying to help break it up. Right. And... Um, we did get the 250 bucks. <laughs> Okay. But... <laughs> But we did stop playing after I don't know it must have been like four songs okay um we didn't we didn't get to play very much, and you know when you're young, you really want to play like yeah. that's you know I still do but but when you're young, you're just dying to play in front of people now that's and, a
1: shift that I've at least i mean you said when you're young, but i if I'm playing a terrible show, I'm usually like
0: you want it to end
1: I want it to end as soon as. As soon as possible, without it being my fault. Yeah. Like really terrible shows that I've played. I'm like, how long can I be out here where I still will get paid if I'm gonna get paid? And like, I don't want to end it to where that. To where it's like breach I'm of contract. Jerk. Yeah. Or yeah. or also where like for the if there are people there who are actually enjoying themselves, it's not like Damn, yeah. he like shorted us. Oh the yeah. Show. I'm like, what's the then? I'm like, what's the minimum that's reasonable here well for
0: those of you who don't know this cj boyd i think has been on tour since i've known him yeah constantly me. which is like five or six years
1: yeah i've been on the road for about 10 years
0: yeah and that's a lot you know i mean t- to be constantly on the road i've never even asked you where you live because i don't you don't really right. live anywhere do right, you right. No, I don't. so that's a lot of intense touring cj boyd sort of He has a very concentrated version of what most of us have. You know, like, like what I've the way it's been for me is I joined different bands because like I'll hear some music and think, wow, this is so good. I want I, I wonder if I could help this be better. And, you know, that, you know, because because of whatever the band gets more and more popular and and then. Bands have about a five-year shelf life. It starts to suck, and then we put out one more shitty record that I never want to hear again, and then it breaks up. Thankfully, a year and a half too late, but, you know. So so I do have some downtime, you know, where I'm just a right. carpenter and a plumber, or, you know, lately I'm a painter. I've gotten back into painting as in painting pictures, not painting houses. But right. but CJ Boyd has been on tour constantly for 10 years. So yeah, it, it, it took a while to where I was like, please, God, let this show end. <laughs> right. Where I was watching my watch, yeah. like you're talking about. I
1: mean, that that's only in bad shows. That's not in yeah. general. No. You know, Of course, when it's going great, I'm
0: like... You want it to last forever.
1: Yeah. I'm still sort of very mindful now in a way that I wasn't in my same twenties of like there's a good amount of time to play and more is not always better and you know yeah. leave the morning more don't just I don't 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 let it get to the point where people are like uh he could probably have stopped ten minutes ago. I mean that's not
0: I know right. that is such a tricky thing because I played in the band that completely ignores the idea that a thing could be too long. In Swans we played six songs and it took three hours. Right. And that, you know, that's just a different perspective. and, and it's,
1: Yeah, and it's also different, I think if you're a band that's like headlining a tour where people are all there to mostly see you, it's a yeah. very different situation. Yeah. On a typical show that I play, where there's like three bands, like 40 minutes is pretty good. Yeah. And you could do a little less or a little more, but if you play for like an hour or more, on a bill with three or four people on it you're kind of fucking up i mean you're you're being an asshole whether or not you realize it and that's my typical scenario whereas if you're playing in a band like swans where people are stoked they're they're there to see you play and like and that's part of your thing at this point too yeah people kind of maybe even have an expectation that you're going to do this like epic long thing where if you went out there and played 45 minutes it would be people be sad about it
0: this would be like- yeah, I so I joined this um, punk band called Nazi Gold in um, 2010. I guess it was it's just two dudes. Each of them is about 20 years younger than me, and we just played, um, you know, hard rock. Both of those guys sang. It was really good. We made two good records. And we only played in Austin, but it was a really good band, and I, I really liked that our shows were like twenty five minutes long, right. and that, you know, in with at least I don't know if it's true all over the country, but at least in sort of Austin punk rock like beer land, yeah, world, that's kind of common to have yeah. twenty five minute shows, which I I kind of like, okay, at least for that you know. For what we were doing. Thor and Friends, my minimalist group that that I play in now, I think that we're more effective playing kind of longer shows because it's supposed to be about a hypnotic kind of... Right. Retuning your brain kind of experience.
1: Yeah. And that, that's what I mean. It really depends on what the music is, but it's part of the project of, like, maturing as a musician is knowing what's a good amount of time for this? Yeah. And more is definitely not always better. It depends on... Yeah. Um, but so... So this this fight breaks out. You guys still got paid.
0: Yeah, we Wives. packed up and left. So So the fight breaks out, and we're like... And then I guess eventually enough sensible people pull the violent people apart. Right. And then they're... So then they're like, well... This is awkward. I remember we just sort of like we decided let's just leave. You know, I don't I don't know how the conversation went with my friend Gina. She was crying. I remember that
1: after her mom got punched.
0: Yeah, after her mom got punched did and the they, the yeah. redneck had been pummeled by my friend.
1: Did you keep in touch with Gina?
0: I did. Yeah, for. I mean, Does she blame? She didn't blame us. Okay. She was totally cool about it. And pretty much everyone that was present blamed that guy. The guy that walked okay. up on stage and said, "Play something we can understand or get the hell out of town." I mean, okay. ev- like everyone that was there blamed that dude. Now, because
1: you were saying you didn't see the way in which it happened, but as an observer, as a as a, you know, third party, it feels like that's a shitty thing to do yeah maybe not shitty enough to punch him like if it if it was me i'd be like oh that guy's an asshole yeah Throw him off stage tell him you know
0: fuck yeah. off
1: like words with words but your your friend felt like it was appropriate to punch yeah robert
0: <laughs> but i mean robert was a hothead okay and he just he dragged the guy off, off, off stage.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if I was playing in that band, I would have been stoked that somebody else yeah. did it in that way like, "Well, I'm not doing it." Yeah, I was. I, I really I was. The moral high ground of like I didn't punch anybody. But... I really was
0: because yeah, <laughs> right. cuz I I wanted to punch the dude, but then Robert did it for me. Right. S- but yeah, so we so we left, and then Craig like, I don't know how this happened, but like 20 minutes away, Craig goes, Oh no, I forgot my Ebo. And I'm like, wait, Fuck. So we drive back to the wedding. Wait, and we, I didn't even know Ebo's They existed, existed back in then. The they were pretty new. Because yeah. think about Robert Fripp, what he was doing with Ebos in the oh, I don't, I don't 70s and 80s. I did he had one. Okay. Oh, yeah. Robert Fripp I mean, was employing got such an Arsenal, I don't yeah, I
1: don't always know what is making what sound, but now that you say that I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Robert Fripp was was employing the great Ebo. Back on the, the so there's three great King Crimson records with Adrian Blue. Uh Discipline, Three of a Perfect Pair, and Beat. Okay. And those are uh, chock full of awesome Ebo guitar okay. wizardry. Um Give those a listen, listeners. They're amazing. (laughs) Take it from me, huge prog rock fan, but especially in the realm of Peg. Peg just made a yucky face. She hates, you know, prog rock. Once Peg described prog rock, I played, I was like, yeah, I'm really into this, but I'm not sure if it's good or not because I was into it when I was like in eighth grade, you know? So that's why I like it because I liked it when I was young. Yeah. I think it's probably terrible, but you know, there's this there's this funny test of of exactly what we're talking about. Sometimes a prog rock record would get reissued on CD mm-hmm. uh, because it was only available on vinyl, right. and they'd put an extra song on there, okay. and you'd be like, oh. Man, this sucks. Because because you don't have the same nostalgic connection to it and it's it was recorded at this in the same sessions. Uh, they did that with this okay. Jethro Tull record Songs from the Wood, yeah. which I love and it's very much a prog rock record. Yeah. Jethro Tull wasn't always prog rock, but, but this yeah.
1: But wait, I gotta I gotta pause on that because that's the song that didn't make the record. Yeah It's not objectively The better song The better yeah. song Like yeah. occasionally it might be I mean there are people Who put out like a B-side And you're like Holy shit Yeah it's so that good That B-side rules How did that not make the record uh, But that's not generally the case Usually that song got cut For a reason And they were like Well we gotta cut a song Which one's it gonna be Yeah That one That's the weekly Yeah We'll get rid of that one So I don't know if that Necessarily means That the whole record Is of the same quality Yeah so maybe that's a that's my tweak of that of that rule.
0: So it comes out the same. To finish that thought, I played the all these prog rock records for Peg yeah. and Peg said, "Oh, Boys showing off for boys That was her That was her summary of prog rock Which I think is pretty good Which is
1: not inaccurate I mean that's not wrong
0: And I Um, went and saw King Crimson just a couple of months ago And it was like a bunch of dudes my age (laughs) And then there's like a bunch of dudes Ten years older than me on stage Playing prog rock Right. So.
1: And in general I feel like As a dude in music If you go to a show and it's all dudes It doesn't mean it's Necessarily bad, but you should at least ask yourself. Yeah, why is it only dudes?
0: Swans why? was an only dudes audience, at okay. least at least for a while. Peg is saying no; she's shaking her head no. And I our, know a lot
1: of women who like swans.
0: Yeah, in our later years, um, a lot of young people got in. You know, we 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 Wait, is swans still around or no? We just ended. Talking
1: it about okay, we I just
0: ended sure. like four months ago. Okay, um, but there was a resurgence period between twenty ten and. Four months ago,
1: 2017.
0: Okay. And um, yeah, a lot of young people. It really was still pretty dude heavy, but there were some ladies that were into it too. Yeah. Um, and and I, I signed a lot of autographs for teenage boys. Okay. Teenage <laughs> boys are into swans. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thor and Friends has all kinds of people, and it's usually more ladies than men. Um, and there's brown ones and black ones and some white dudes. And I don't know. We've only been a band two years and we're. I don't know. We'll see what our fans are. You know, because of the kind of band we are, I, I don't know what our audience is exactly yet. A lot of Swans fans sort sure. of came came with with me over to this project but
1: Yeah. Um, was there any more to this to the the wedding debacle?
0: We didn't get Craig's ebo back. Oh, right. So that was that was adding insult <laughs> so went back We went it. back and it was gone and I thought I I still feel like it must have been Debbie Bates dad because who else at that <laughs> wedding would want a fucking ebo, you know? Wait, he was no. the only guitar player. I was like, "All right, there's an Ebo missing. I'm maybe 23 years old and pissed off.
1: Wait, so you go back, and is everybody still there? Like, did you leave yeah. before it was, like...
0: We left before the wedding. It was like, disbanded. It, it was hadn't like, disbanded yet. You guys leave. And this terrible... Debbie Bates' dad's cover band is playing again. Okay. And every time I saw that guy, he was like, Hey, man, how you been? You still playing reggae? And I was not... <laughs> I, like that was what and, and that was we were not a reggae band, you know. That was just like the closest thing that he could name that Is
1: that like do you think he just I think he thought we like, were like there's a black guy on stage, so it's yeah. Or I guess like, so.
0: <laughs> or maybe like I did a a beat with I don't know. Maybe you there know? was
1: one beat that he kinda He thought it was
0: sort like, of a reggae beat or something. Right. Maybe maybe Craig was playing the guitar chords on the upbeats. Right. So Debbie Bates' dad thought, <laughs> oh man, this is reggae. They're not going to like this shit. Right. I don't know. But so
1: you went back and they were playing, but not and, and with And I was Evo. like, the guy wasn't like rocking Ebo. No, he didn't have band. the Ebo
0: on him. At, okay. But you, <laughs> but <laughs> but you I was like, stashed it. I don't remember what I said to him, but it was something kind of shitty. Like, we left an Ebo. Where is it? And, you know, it was like, I was, now, ac- I was sort of I'm going to guess. I was sort of accusing now. Debbie Bates dad of stealing the said Ebo.
1: Okay, because my my first thought is now I play with an Ebo. Yeah. on the base and regularly like at least twice a week someone is like, "Hey, what is what is that thing with the blue light on it?" Yeah. So, I'm going to go ahead and guess that in if this was like 1990 Debbie
0: Bates' dad probably didn't know what an Ebo was. Maybe. I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, he, he's, maybe he's maybe he's innocent. innocent.
1: <laughs> but I'm just saying I'm not saying he didn't take it, but I'm just saying my bet would be that anybody who wasn't in a weirdo band listening to King Crimson yeah. probably didn't know what an Ebo was yeah. in nineteen 19- sixty. I true. didn't know what it was until like two thousand five or six or something like that. Like I mean, Yeah. Well so I just wanna make sure I get this though. You went back, accused dude. Of stealing an ebo, of oh, stealing Craig's evo, probably was like, I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Probably, yeah, it I don't like, know, you mean like I mean, a guitar pick, <laughs> yeah. By that time, I think we just sort of looked crazy, right? We were Maybe in fact were crazy. crazy, yeah. I mean, I think anyone in their 20s is somewhat crazy, sure. I try to help people in their 20s, I just, you know, I don't say you're crazy, let me tell you what you can do to survive this decade. But that is what I'm thinking. That's
1: right. <laughs> but so then, did anything else happen? You just, you came back and you accused him and then they said fuck no, off
0: or... They said, no, we haven't seen it. And so we left. Okay. But you stayed
1: friends with Gina?
0: Stayed friends with everybody. Yeah. I even saw Debbie Bates' dad years later. <laughs> and we were friendly, you know. I mean, he asked you I'm not, band. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not a fan of that dude. Really? But I love Debbie Bates.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love the whole family. Just the dad. He's kind of jive. The, everyone in that say, band, ex, you know, including Debbie Bates' dad, they were nice enough to us. Yeah. They could tell that we were good musicians, mm. and they were just like, well, these rednecks aren't going to like this. But. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, I think I'm going to
0: break it there. All right. Unless you have anything else to add. Such a pleasure to hang out with you yeah. always, yeah. CJ Boy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Right. Anytime.
1: episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the pledges of DeWater Fryman, Meg Roberts, and Christina Amador Perez. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash ever.